What's up, man? Welcome to PTC Cast, episode 52. 52? Is it 52? It's 52. I think it's 52. Yeah. Today we go over creating your own anterior workout for your upper body. Mm-hmm. What is anterior, you might ask yourself? It is chest, shoulders, and triceps, man. A system of muscles that work very well together and make you look Amazing. Swolled up. Yep. Don't get that Goku physique, man. That Superman <laughs> physique, man. Come on with it. So we break that down for you and try to give you some different options, different ideas, and things to keep in the back of your brain when going into the gym. So that way we can be sure you're covering every base for those muscle groups and developing them to their full extent and not doing anything redundant or silly in the gym. So we hope you enjoyed the episode. As always, it is brought to you by progressthroughchange.com, where you can get your four easy habits for fat loss guide. We are incredibly proud of this guide and the fact that we've had over 700 downloads and nothing, literally nothing but positive response. Um, it is not a magic pill. It is not anything. Um, it is not any snake oil. It is, <laughs> it is simple habits that are applicable and easy and doable for anybody. And I'm not sitting here and telling you you're going to burn 90 pounds in fucking 10 days or something yeah. like that. I'm sitting here trying to give you the tools to change your life forever. Yep. So check it out, man. Enjoy the show. Always reach out to us with any extra questions. And uh, yeah, enjoy the show. Build your pecs. Build your triceps, build your shoulders. Here we are, episode 52 of the PTC cast. Today, we're going to be talking about building your own anterior upper body workout. What the hell is that? (laughs) What is anterior, you might ask yourself. It is the muscles on the front side of your upper body. Mm. Specifically today, we're going to talk about chest, shoulders, and triceps. We've got another another section coming later down the road for abs, core, stuff like that. But today, we're going to be talking about kind of our bodybuilding, chest, shoulders, triceps. I say bodybuilding, but bodybuilding is anybody who wants to build some muscle right anybody Mm -hmm. who wants to look good and be strong yeah exactly so um uh we we gave the people about a solid uh three weeks to work on legs (laughs) while uh we took a little bit of a break but you know man seasonal life happens here we are now this week and we're we're excited to be here for this next episode if you are someone who's looking to build a sick pair of legs i highly recommend you go check out our previous podcast after this one where we give you five keys to a full leg workout um We have a solid PDF document that goes with that as well. If you'd rather just hop over there, download it, check it out, then listen to the episode, kind of get some details. But that's something that we're we're proud that we put out and and we really would like you to check out. We are confident that that will change your leg training. So today we're going to take something a little bit similar with um, with an anterior upper body approach where we'll talk about building chest, shoulders, and triceps. Yeah, look at that. Chesticles. Look at them chesticles. Oh, man. Let's go. (laughs) Um, Man, this is always a fun one because... What is every guy's favorite exercise at 15 years old? Bench press. Yeah, baby. Yeah, Woo. baby. What's the age-old question? What's How much you bench, bro? bro? What you got? <laughs> yeah, exactly, man. So um, I, I, I am excited to talk about this one because I think this is just kind of like a classic favorite. You know, yeah. chest, international chest days on Monday. We're going to go viral you know? with this yeah. one. <laughs> every bro loves their chest day, man. So... Um, Again, you know, we're, we're kind of talking in bodybuilding context here. So through this whole episode, you know, whenever I'm throwing things out, I'm, I'm basically trying to give you the biggest bang for your buck exercises within these muscle groups. So basically my goal is to kind of explain the thought process around placing these exercises and, and why we go with these exercises and then just kind of spitball a couple different options you'd have within that realm. So basically our goal here is to be sure that we're being efficient in our workout and we're not being redundant. <clears throat> So our goal is kind of to cover all our bases, get our biggest bang for our buck without overexerting, wasting time or BSing around. So that being said, starting with kind of the number one key to developing 
any, if not all, upper body musculature is scapular stability. So your ability to lock your scapula in one place while you perform other exercises or any exercise, I guess I should say. So for example, we all have gone into a gym and anytime fitness, a lifetime, a 24 hour, a, a rec center. And you see, you know, they got the towel or the tower of the easy bar curls, right? Mm-hmm. We got easy bars from 10 to hundred pounds. And we have all seen a guy grab an 80, 90, hundred pounder and go train some curls that involve glutes that involve, yeah, I mean, yeah, that involve <laughs> momentum that involve who knows what, you know? And so the, the question there kind of becomes, you know, is it the weight? Is it the movement? Is it the, is it the swinging? It's a little bit of all of it, mm-hmm. but the core piece there is the scapula. When it's all over the place, you don't have an anchor. You're not actually creating a contract, a contraction, <clears throat> excuse me. A contraction is those two muscle, excuse me, is those muscle fibers coming together, shortening mm-hmm. and lengthening, shortening and lengthening. And we don't actually let those things shorten when we move our anchors around, right? Imagine you're taking these two different anchors and you're moving them. You're never actually changing the length of them because you're keeping that distance the same. But let's say those shoulders are locked down and back. We contract that muscle, i.e. elbows are pinched to your side, shoulders are locked down in the curl. That scapula is locked in, your anchor point. Mm. Then our muscle can contract and shorten. Does that make sense? It does, yeah. We move from two points at once. We're not really contracting a muscle. So like we usually talk about, this is almost more dependent upon your ability to keep the wrong things from moving. Mm. So scapular stability is how well can you lock those shoulder blades down and back, down, forward, whatever the exercise is. How well can you keep those suckers there to be sure that nothing else is taking over the movement, right? To be sure that we're not shrugging or we're not internally rotating or we're not uh, extending and bending our spine through a movement, right? Being sure that we're locked in from our anchor point. <clears throat> So some of the best ways you can tell this is when you watch yourself go through an exercise, you know, it could be push-ups, it could be curls, it could be overhead press, it could be bench press. What do your shoulder blades do in relation to the rest of your body, right? So when you go down on a bench press, do your shoulders shrug up towards your ears and do they round forward? When you go up for your curls, do your shoulders shrug under you and do you kind of end up in this weird arched under position? You know, uh, watch yourself in the way that your shoulders and your entire body move through that motion. Mm -hmm. So when we talk about scapular stability, usually the easiest place to start is retraction and depression or back to our bench press example. And this can be used for almost any chest training, but you could take a dumbbell press, a machine press, a a pec deck, a cable fly. We want to have those shoulder blades pulled down and back the entire time into retraction and depression. Reason being it's going to put us in the safest position to train our pecs and the most optimal position to train our pecs. The reason the scapular stability is important is once we lose that retraction and depression through our bench press, so let's say we are at the top of our bench press, we lock those shoulder blades down and back, chest is puffed up, that, up, that upper back is nice and braced, scaps are locked in, we lower that bench down. Once we press up, the second those shoulder blades roll forward, we have incorporated different musculature. Yeah. Maybe we've used our serratus, maybe we've used our anterior delt, maybe we've used an internal rotator, our teres, maybe we've used our, our bicep. I mean, there's... There's a long list of other things you can use when we're not anchoring properly. So where I'm going with that is form over everything. And we have already discussed that multiple times, but I mean so much so that I've literally taken a man. I I had a client. I won't, I won't share his name, but he, um, very successful in his field has been working out for 20, 25 years, 
done a bodybuilding show before has checked all the boxes of the 405 squat, the 315 bench press, et cetera, et cetera. And been working with this guy for a couple of years now. And, and finally, I shouldn't say finally, well, he, he, he reached a point where he decided, you know, he needed to work with someone and to make a long story short, you know, this guy is used to 300, 400 pound bench presses, big guy, 240 pound guy. And day one, we took 20 pound dumbbells and destroyed his chest through dumbbell presses because we just trained to retraction and depression the whole time. Mm. So it was the first time he had ever locked those shoulder blades down and back and just use his pecs to press. Now he had great pecs, but once we were able to just use the pecs to press, they blew up with 20 pound dumbbells. Mm. And we're sitting here talking about a, a 240 pound guy at the time who has trained for 20, 25 years, done all the heavy bench presses and you know, all that crazy shit. And here we are progressing with such minimal weight because we are being so isolated and drawn in on the pecs. <clears throat> Does that make sense? Oh yeah. Yeah. I know so, like what, one of the things recently that I've been practicing is doing that along with keeping my elbows in place when I'm doing bicep curls. And before I did that, you know, I would do the bro bicep mm -hmm. curls and maybe I could do like 45, 50 pounds yeah. for, you know, a set of 10. Yeah. Now I'm not going any higher than 25 pounds. Yeah. And that's for like a set of eight. Yeah. And a hard ass set of eight. Yeah. And this so. is a man. And that's a, that's a whole different tangent. And that's, it's funny. This is kind of the part of the, the whole game that lights me up the most is it's like the goal is not necessarily to move as much weight as possible. It's to move as much resistance as possible. It's to challenge as much resistance as possible. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so to me, it's exciting when you learn that like, Oh, I can do the same amount to my biceps with 20 pound dumbbells as I could with 40. So let me learn this with 20 and then get back to 40. That, you know what yeah. I'm saying? It so definitely like, does feel exciting. Mm -hmm, um, because it, it, it resets everything for you. Yeah. You know what I mean? And and then you feel like you're actually doing it properly. So mm -hmm. whenever you do get back to those 40s, you're just, not only will you be stronger and your muscles will be bigger, you're just going to feel better about it. Yeah, hundred percent. And that by the you know, I said 40s or whatever, and it, it might not be that simple, but point being like, you have to standardize that form first. Once that form is standardized, we're, we're safe and we're efficient. And then, and then the load pushes. So, you know, obviously if your form is going to be a 99% and you can push it for five pounds, go crazy. But if you're going to lose your form to a, a B, a B minus or a C plus rank, right? Maybe we keep the weight a little bit lower. Mm -hmm. So <clears throat> kind of moving into pec training here, you know, I've been using the bench press as an example, just cause that's everybody's favorite. But you're, you're you really your biggest determinant factor when you're training your pecs is how well can you keep your scaps locked down and back and how, how well can you focus on out and in rather than up and down with your elbows. Oh, okay. So a lot of the times, and I'm going to stick here and I'm going to talk about bench press a little bit more, but a lot of the times when we think bench press, we think up and down, right? Mm -hmm. Our pecs primary function is called horizontal adduction, which is a fancy way of saying pulling your arm from off your body to in your body. So your pecs do not do up and down, your pecs do out and in. They can do a little bit of up and down depending on what we're talking about, but for sake of conversation. So on a bench press, if we just think bar to my chest and bar up, we can tuck our elbows in, we can use triceps, we can use anterior deltoids, we can use different things. But maybe on something like a dumbbell press where we can lock those shoulder blades down and back and we can actually pull our elbows and our dumbbells down and out and then press our elbows and our dumbbells up and in, we can challenge that out and in pattern instead of being stuck in a fixed hand position on a barbell where we have to go up and down. Mm -hmm. Now, obviously you can manipulate your hand position and make that work differently, et cetera, et cetera. <clears throat> but point being there, whenever you learn that to really get your pecs, you have to think of pushing your elbows out 
in varying planes, you figure out how to contract that a little bit better. So shoulder blades are locked down and back and elbows are focusing on traveling out in whichever plane we are currently training. You follow me? Yeah, that, that, that was actually like a huge light bulb because I've always trained chest going up and down. Even mm -hmm. if I'm doing flies, it's mainly like I'm not focusing on coming out and then yeah. going back in. Yeah. And That's out, something and that I've actually always avoided. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I wonder why, or I've always wondered why like triceps were my strong suit mm -hmm. and bench mm -hmm. and like why I was biased toward using my other muscles other than my chest mm -hmm. because I just learned I haven't been training chest yeah. right. <laughs> yeah. And man, it, it's interesting that you said that because in your last powerlifting bout, I specifically remember you talking about widening your bench grip and yeah. dude, I mean, and I'm not sitting here saying everybody needs to go out and widen three inches on each bench grip. It's going to be different for everybody, but mm -hmm. I mean... Within the month, your chest looked different to me, yes. and and that's sitting and here in a shirt different. in front of me. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, and so it's you. It, it, part of that is just your setup in the first place, right? Mm -hmm. If that grip is so narrow, you just can't push your elbows out. Exactly, wrist, I would have to bench yeah, with my elbows. Your in. wrist's going to get torn up. Your elbows going to get torn up, right? Mm -hmm. So at, at that point, you have to play with it a little bit and figure out is this movement even going to work for me? Because anyone who's followed me for a while knows the barbell bench press doesn't work for me. Yeah. I have injured my shoulder three times before. I say injured, impinged, whatever you want to call it. But it's always been on a barbell bench press, trying to force myself into that movement. Mm -hmm. So that's a whole nother tangent. But <clears throat> the barbell bench press that we've been sitting here and talking about a ton might not be your best option. So usually when it comes to pec training, um, I like to just pick two different movements in different planes. Mm -hmm. Maybe I shouldn't say different planes, but varying degrees of shoulder flexion. So where is your hand? Is your hand higher or is your hand a little bit lower? So that could mean your elbows flare all the way out at the level of your shoulder, or it could mean your elbows are flaring out maybe at a 45 degree okay. armpit halfway down. Does that sort of make sense? Yeah. I know it's kind yeah, of hard. I'm trying to, to visualize it in the, mm -hmm. like maybe a dumbbell bench right, press. Right. So you kind of think maybe a dumbbell bench press where your armpits 90 degrees and your yeah. elbows are flared all the way out. And then maybe a dumbbell bench press where your armpits 45 degrees. Mm -hmm. And then from that point, we might need to be varying our incline or decline to the bench. Got you. So usually for sake of conversation in this podcast and most people, I'm going to pick a fly movement and a press movement on some sort of incline, decline, or uh, flat position. Mm -hmm. So if I'm going to just sit here and pick the two exercises that come to my brain that are going to work the best for most people... I'm going to pick an, a low incline dumbbell press. So you set up your bench, you put it at the lowest incline you can. Maybe we're talking 10 to 20 degrees max mm -hmm. um, and a push up. The reason we want to be training push ups as well, contrary to what I was just talking about with the retraction and depression, push ups give us an opportunity to train our pec minor a little bit more. Same with the dips. That's mm -hmm. a muscle that sits underneath the big portion of our chest and it can help us really puff our chest up if we give that a little bit of extra love. And that takes protraction. So usually what I'll have somebody do if they want to train, if they want to really bring up their chest and they come to me day one, we're going to start with that low incline dumbbell press and then we're going to go into a push-up. Now, depending upon who the person is and how their rib cage is shaped, we might need to vary the position of the push-up. But for sake of conversation, when you're going through your push-ups, you want to be sure your shoulders are above your wrists and your hands are outside of those shoulders. So same idea as our dumbbell press. When you're going down on those push-ups, you need to be thinking out with your elbows, not tucked in. Again, the name of the game with pec training is out and in, not up and down. So... I'm thinking how no. I do push-ups, which is like yeah, this. Tucked in, yeah, big triceps over here, man. Yeah, horseshoe triceps yeah, over here. That's why, man. Yeah, yeah. And that's, you know, it, it, it has paid, 
But if a chest was your goal, maybe we'd have to approach it a little okay. bit differently. Gotcha. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's none of this is necessarily saying like you're wrong if you do it that way, right? I'm just sitting here. I hate having big triceps, by the way. I'm dead serious. <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah. Man, like I've been sitting here trying to get triceps like yours. Yeah, it's man. annoying. And now now I know why. It's, That's hilarious, man. Instead of training chest, I've been training triceps. That's such a problem, yeah. <laughs> My triceps are too big. Ah Damn, yeah. Life is hard. <laughs> um but the with the push-up, um, the, the push-up gives us an ability to protract our scapula as well or when we finish that push-up and we're in let's say we're in that bottom position right upper back's nice and tight those elbows are out we press all the way up through that push-up and then boom we can actually push our shoulder blades off the body we can push the earth away from us Mm -hmm. and what i'm going to sit here and call with air quotes a safer position Um, that being said dips are also an option for that and i just think it is a good idea to be able to move your body weight through that plane does that make sense yeah so to me i'm going to pick a low incline dumbbell press and i'm going to pick a push-up variation maybe it's knee push-ups depending on the person maybe it's dips um dips also give you that opportunity to push those shoulder blades out in a way so any other movement though that's going to come to maybe flies presses you know dumbbells barbells in space you're going to probably want to have those shoulder blades retracted and depressed mm. and i hate to sit here and speak in kind of gray terms but everybody's different man and everybody's at a different phase so know that you can always reach out to me at progress through change on instagram for any sort of specific questions for you so those are kind of my two base movements and i told myself i was going to try to make this quick and not drag on but i would be silly not to talk about a fly movement mm. so a fly movement could be a dumbbell fly where we're keeping that elbow straight and again we're training that out and in motion right this is probably the best opportunity to focus on that out and in could be a pec deck could be a cable fly um, for most people if you have access to it i would recommend a pec deck dumbbell fly works too if you're going to use a dumbbell fly i would pause in the bottom positions so again, those shoulder blades are locked down and back, and we're thinking out and in here. Um, does all that make sense? You think I'm good to move on to shoulders here? Yeah, really quick. What sure. is a pec deck? Is that with the ropes, it's the cable, cable ropes? It's a cable fly. Okay, cable so, fly. Or excuse okay. me, not a cable fly. It's it's a uh, it's a machine that emulates a cable fly, right? So you're sitting okay. you're sitting on the machine, and it flies out and in. Uh, Got you. I know what you're talking it might, about. Yeah, it might be called like a chess fly yeah. or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. The reason I uh, the reason I actually really like that pec deck is, or the pec deck or the chest fly is just because it's on a guided path. But cables you can do sort of the same thing. Mm-hmm. You just have a little bit more freedom. Um, so those are kind of uh, uh, where my brain goes for all that. Mm-hmm. Um, moving into the shoulders department, um, this is a bit of a tough one, man, because. Shoulders are one of those interesting ones that are a little bit different for everybody, depending on who you are and what your strong points, your weak points are. But similar to pecs, we're going to probably want to have those shoulder blades locked down and back for most of these exercises. On some of these, I would say you could give yourself a little bit more room. So we're talking about maybe a dumbbell lateral raise, right? Or where you're standing up tall, you got dumbbells and you're reaching them out in a way. That's one where we want to lock those shoulder blades down. But maybe as you reach that top position, you can naturally let them shrug just a hair. The name of the game is not shrugging all the way through, right? So this is one that we're going to look to be a little bit more fluid on, and we're going to look to give ourselves a little bit more freedom on and find what what works the best, but we still need to standardize those reps. So let's say maybe you find that you feel the best contraction and it feels the best on your shoulders for you to shrug a little bit at the top and to lead with your pinky. That's great. Mm -hmm. For me, maybe I need to keep those shoulders down the whole time and lead with my index finger. That's fine too. 
shoulders are very, one of those very specific things where we have some freedom here to play with. So you need to find what works best for you. Um, starting first with the lateral head or what everybody wants with shoulders, you know, you look at someone straight on and they got those wide shoulders, those superhuman, super soldier sh- shoulders. Boulder yeah, shoulders. Exactly. <laughs> That's the lateral head of the delt, right? That's okay. what builds that outside portion. And we want to be talking about lateral raises for that. Um, for most people, we want to be talking about a cable lateral raise. Um, the reason being <clears throat> it's going to put your shoulder in a better position to contract, whether that's a one arm cable lateral raise, um, you can lay down on a, a cross cable bench and do two arms at a time. Um, <clears throat> you could even find like a machine lateral raise. Dumbbell lateral raises are just fine, but if you're going to do those, you want to be sure you're pausing in that top position. So with a dumbbell lateral raise, our hardest position is the top. So we want to be sure that we're pausing up there, but we want to have some sort of lateral raise in our shoulder routine to be sure that we're really emphasizing sort of that outward sweep of the shoulders, right? So quick question on the chest flies. Yeah. Um, you were saying that if you are using dumbbells that you need a pause. Mm-hmm. And now you're saying with, if you are using dumbbells on the shoulder, you want to pause. Uh, yeah. So why is that? So, okay. So that's a good question. Whenever we're using dumbbells, well, whenever we're training anything, we're fighting gravity and fighting gravity is always directly down, but maybe we manipulate it with cables and lines of pull. Okay. So for example, with a cable lateral raise, maybe I'm being pulled in by the cables rather than pull being pulled directly down yeah. by gravity. So it's again, we're working with audio here, but imagine that cable is pulling me inwards that a force pulling me in is different mm. than a force pulling me down. Yeah. So when we have that force pulling us in with something like a cable, it's going to be a little bit more consistent through. So it's okay. going to feel a little bit more consistent all and the way through. And it does feel, it feels yeah. way more now consistent. Now when we do something like a dumbbell lateral raise or a dumbbell fly, because of the uh, semantics of the exercise, as that hand reaches farther and farther away from the body, the lever becomes longer. So the weight is perceived as heavier. Mm. So point being here, we want to pause in the position that is the most challenging. Okay. So if you're going to go, so kind of to follow up on that, if I'm going to do a dumbbell lateral raise, maybe I'm going to go a little bit lighter just so I can pause in that top position. But if I'm going through a cable lateral raise, I obviously still want to be emitting control and showing good form, but maybe I don't need to be as specific with that pause since I can spend more of the time through the resist through the whole range. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, that, that, that makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Because when I go through that dumbbell lateral raise, when that hand is beneath my shoulder, there's no tension on my shoulders. Mm-hmm. And when I go through that dumbbell fly, when that hand is above my shoulder, there's no tension on my pecs. There's mm-hmm. no lever length. So point being there, we want to pause where it's the hardest or where the muscle is being challenged the most. Mm-hmm. And there's some other bonus points for scapular stability as well. Okay. Mm-hmm. Does gotcha. that make sense? Yeah, it does. Yeah. So, um, I, I definitely always encourage that when using dumbbells, because I feel like it's important that we're spending time where that position is the hardest and that muscle is having to fire the most. Right. Um, so that is the, uh, the lateral raise. I'm going to usually opt for a cable and I recommend most people start using a handle with the cables. So, you know, standing nice and square to the cable, reaching out away. If you go on YouTube and look up cable lateral raise surely mm-hmm. you'll find an example one thing you can do as well that you've probably seen me do on instagram at some point is um, you can use a cuff as well so sometimes you see yeah. people use like ankle cuffs for kickbacks and stuff like that well a lot of the times we can actually push with our shoulder a lot more than we can push and grip at the same time mm-hmm. so 
after you've had some practice with the movement and you're confident with your execution and you want to start loading it up, you can look into getting yourself, you know, a little pair of cuffs on Amazon or maybe your gym even has them, but they're like 10 bucks. But that way you can wrap that cuff around your wrist and just focus on that push without having to actually grip anything. And I have found that that's a really great way to push shoulders without taxing your elbows and your hands through the whole time. Um, so that kind of covers my base with lateral raises, um, going into the anterior portion of the delt or sort of the front portion of the delt, we have two options, usually an overhead press or a front raise, depending on who you are. And I am one of these people, um, overhead press might not be your best option. Mm. Sometimes that is dependent upon shoulder mobility. Sometimes that is dependent upon rib cage structure. Sometimes that is dependent upon injury history. But um, an overhead press is a much more challenging movement than most people make it out to be. And um, when I say challenging, I think I mean more so. I mean more so to get in the position and do it safely. So I'm a little skeptical with overhead presses for most people. Um, I like to either rely on maybe a machine or maybe a high incline rather than a totally vertical. Um, overhead press. So maybe instead of sitting on a 90 degree bench where you're totally seated upright, maybe you take an inclined bench and you put it at 75 degrees. So you're leaning back a little bit and mm -hmm. it can be a little bit easier on the shoulders. Gotcha. Um, same idea there. We want to be thinking about the out and in tracking for our shoulders, right? So we don't want to think up and down. We want to think out and in. So when you're going through either your raises, your, excuse me, let's stay on the overhead press. When you're mm -hmm. going through your overhead press, you want to focus on pulling that elbow and hand down and out and then pressing that elbow and hand up and in. And excuse me, in the bottom of that position, if you're watching yourself in the mirror, you might even look like a field goal, right? You might be 90-90, and then you're pressing up and in. So that's really important whenever we're training the shoulders to be sure that we're actually taxing the shoulders and we're not just, again, using our triceps. If we keep that hand close to our body and we press straight up, that elbow bends and that elbow extends. Man. You're about mm -hmm. to take my upper body training Is that, to the yeah, next level. <laughs> that's what I'm trying to Seriously, do, Seriously, I'm doing yeah. all of this wrong. That's Well, <laughs> that's what I'm trying to do, man. And I, it's not necessarily that you're doing it wrong, man. It's just like there's maybe some more ways to do it more efficiently because yeah. I don't think anybody would look at the physique you build or the strength you've developed and thought you did it wrong, right? Well, yeah, I guess I'm... I'm it's just a different perception. Exactly. You know? I, I know when it comes to shoulder presses with dumbbells, usually... And I fixed it. Now my elbow is out here, but mm -hmm. my hand is still in here. Yep. But I remember uh, I used to train it with my elbows in here. So I used to do shoulder elbows presses like that. Yep. So literally just up yep. and down. Well, you can have your elbows tucked in, but that hand needs to track out. Oh, yeah. So no. I could go elbow tucked oh. in, but that hand's got to track out, yeah. right? So the name of the game is how do you keep the resistance far out. enough from your body? Yeah, or okay. think keep the resistance far from the pivot point, Okay. right? If that resistance is so close to the pivot point, there's no real lever through it. Okay. Um, okay. So that covers the overhead press. If we want to talk about a front raise, um, there's a couple different options with a front raise. Usually for sake of simplicity, I'm going to take somebody on an incline bench again, maybe 75 degrees, 60 degrees, somewhere kind of in halfway point mm. down. And we're going to lean all the way back. We're going to keep our elbows nice and straight. We're going to grab those dumbbells and we're going to reach out and forward, pause at the top, and then we're going to be nice and slow on the way down. Think of it like a lateral raise, but out front. I'm explaining it like this because I don't think this is maybe as common of an exercise. Yeah. Because I think most people default to overhead press for, for anterior deltoid, which is fine. But mm -hmm. again, I have found that a front raise is a lot easier on shoulders. And I am personally someone who never had any success growing their shoulders with overhead press. For me, it was always front raises. I got you. Um, so... Uh, again, the scapula has to stay locked down and back, man. 
I mean, that's, that's really the name of the game here. Like we, we, I, I cannot overstate that enough because the second you lift that dumbbell up and that scapula shrugs or rounds again, we have used something else. We have defeated the purpose of the exercise, which is to challenge the muscle mm. or one specific muscle. Right. Mm. So, um, that is going to be your front raise. You could also look at doing like a cable rope raise. I, I would, I would highly recommend you just YouTube some of these exercises. If you haven't ever heard of them, you'll get a, a good idea of what you're seeing. You might have to apply some of the things we've talked about because mm. maybe the guides aren't perfect that are out yeah. there, but, um, that, that way you can at least sort of get an idea, but, um, a cable rope raise can be a good idea as well for the same reason we were talking about earlier and that those cables can give us a better resistance curve to train our shoulders. Mm. So sometimes you can, uh, I've had people, you know, you can stand away from a cable stack, have a rope between your legs, and then you can reach that sucker out and away. Yep, exactly. And that'll get the front of the delt really nicely. So those are kind of my two that come to the front side of the delt. We will save rear delt and some of that for our posterior episode. Mm -hmm. Um, so stay tuned for that next week. (laughs) (laughs) And then finally moving into triceps here. Um, I know the triceps are on the backside of the body, but they work in unison with our other anterior muscles through pressing exercises. Mm -hmm. Right. So that's why we typically train triceps or tack on triceps with an anterior, um, an anterior workout split. So when it comes to triceps, you want to be sure that you're training them in different positions of shoulder flexion, which is a fancy way of saying, you know, maybe having a tricep exercise with your elbow at your side and a tricep exercise with your elbow elevated. Okay. So that, you know, everybody's first thought that comes to mind with a tricep exercise is a rope push down, mm-hmm. right? Standing next to the cables. That's one with the elbows back, right? That checks that box. Um, that is the shortened position. And personally, that is usually something I like to do for a little bit lighter weight and a little bit higher reps. Same. Don't have to just telling you what I prefer. Um, from there, you also want to be sure you're doing a tricep exercise with that elbow elevated. So that could be a dumbbell skull crusher. That could be a rope overhead extension. That could be a, uh, if you've ever heard of a katana extension, which is where that arm is behind your head and you're extending straight up. Yep. Exactly that. So that's really the name of the game with triceps is being sure that you are locked in with those shoulder blades. Your elbow stays in one space as you're, as you bend and extend it. So wherever your elbow starts, your elbow needs to stay the whole time. Okay. And the reason why we're choosing these exercises, um, is because of efficiency, right? Yeah. Because simplicity sake and efficiency. Yeah. Okay. Because like if you were to do like a close grip bench press Mm -hmm. or dips with your elbows in, Mm -hmm. that wouldn't be like as efficient for growing your triceps specifically, right? That was a great question, man. It would be super efficient. It would. What, what the oh, problem? Okay. The reason I shouldn't say what the problem is. The reason I didn't go into that specifically is because when we're talking about doing big compound movements with something like your triceps, it's very hard, depending on who you are, to stay just in your triceps. Yeah. So that being said, usually if you do want to do some sort of tricep press, in my opinion, you save it for the end. Okay. So you save it for the end and you be very specific with that range of motion. You watch, right? Where am I bending at the elbow? Am I bending at the elbow? That elbow has to bend and extend to be trained. Mm-hmm. So again, personally, the close grip presses were something that I never had any success with. But if you are going to do them, in my opinion, they go best at the end. They go best at the end when the tricep is already fatigued. You can connect to it the easiest and you can focus on using that. Got you, got you. Does that make sense? It does, yeah. yeah. But the same idea applies in that you want that elbow to be bending and extending. Now, if we're doing a close grip press, we are also moving at the shoulder, right? So our rule of the elbow staying in one spot no longer applies. However, 
if we're going to do a close grip press, we need to be sure that the majority of our movement is happening at the elbow still. Mm -hmm. So even though that shoulder can move a little bit, again, we're on audio, but even though that shoulder can move a little bit, imagine I tuck that elbow into my side, but as I lower down, I pull that hand towards, towards my shoulder. So the majority of movement is my elbow bending. So at the start of that movement, my elbow was 190. Now my elbow is fully bent yeah. and then boom, I can extend straight up. So in my opinion, most people actually can't do this exercise on a straight barbell safely or efficiently for a long period of time without tearing up elbows, wrists, or yeah. other joints. <laughs> so if I were the average listener, I would take some dumbbells and set up like I would a dumbbell skull crusher. And then what I would do is I would lower that elbow down to my side and I would tap my dumbbell to my shoulder. So you're trying to get that elbow down to your side, tap the dumbbell to your shoulder, keep it tucked in and press it straight up. That way we are bending and extending the elbow, shoulder still moving, mm -hmm. but because we have biased the movement so much in the elbow, that tricep should be what's taking over and failing first. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, in powerlifting, we call that movement a JM press. Yep. And we usually, yep. yeah, we usually do that with a dumbbell. Yep. And in, I mean, in, sorry, barbell. In in my opinion, um, not that there's anything wrong with a classic close grip bench press, especially mm -hmm. for someone who's powerlifting, but in my opinion, if we're sitting here talking about being efficient for the triceps and building triceps in a in a close grip press, it's going to be the JM press all day. Yeah. It's going to be. How do I go through a pressing movement where my hand is as far away from my elbow as possible, mm. and then my elbow is straight? Got you. Yeah. Okay. Um, so yeah, that's kind of my thought process there. So what I want to do now is I kind of want to bullet point these all the way through, and I want to kind of start throwing in some ideas of how I would actually format them. So we are doing okay on time. So let me see if I can knock this out. So going with our, let's just start in the classic order of chest, shoulders, and then triceps. So let's say I walk into the gym. First thing, I think I'm going to try an incline dumbbell bench press. That seems to be what works the best for most people. Mm -hmm. You can focus on, again, tracking that elbow in and out. You can really shove those shoulder blades down and back on the bench and feel them wedged in there. And you can then focus on that elbow up and in. So again, incline dumbbell bench press I find works best for most people. And that's a slight maybe incline, gonna, correct? Mm -hmm, low yeah. incline, correct. Yep. And maybe we're going to do, depending on who you are, two to three sets of maybe 10 to 15 reps, right? Mm -hmm. Something a little bit heavier and a decent enough amount of volume. After that, if we're going to talk about maybe push-ups or dips, usually when we're using bodyweight exercises, and this this is just me, uh, I am a fan of higher intensity and lower volume depending upon who the person is. So usually I'm just going to take a set or two to failure with those movements to form failure, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, if I can do 15 push-ups that day, I'm doing 15. If I can do 20 that day, I'm doing 20. You know, sometimes if those movements maybe feel too easy, you should learn how to challenge them more. So maybe mm -hmm. pause in the bottom slow it down on the way down, you know? Um, sometimes it, it's funny, man. Sometimes people be like, that felt too easy. And my response is you made it too easy. Yeah. You know what I mean, <laughs> so anyways, uh, I digress there. Um, and then finally there, if we want to complete the pecs, let's talk about a pec deck, right? Mm -hmm. And just because we're at the end of that movement, you're hopefully, or excuse me, end of that, uh, chest day or excuse me, chest section of the workout. And hopefully your pecs are already fried. Let's just go ahead and go into a fly. Mm -hmm. uh, and with that fly, that pec deck, whatever we want to do, let's go a little bit lighter so we can just focus on finishing off that, um, that contraction. So usually I'm going to do a couple of sets of maybe 15 to 20 reps, right? Try to just shove some blood in there and, and yeah. really get a good contraction. Yep. And there's nothing wrong with going heavier or lighter on any of these movements. You know, if you want to find a way to load your dips or your push up, yeah, I guess just a way to belt for dips, but probably don't put plates on your back for push ups like some people do. Yeah. No, no offense if you do. <laughs> there's just better options, man. Um, but anyways. That's kind of uh, everything that comes to mind for pecs. Any oh, input or thoughts or no? On, 
honestly, I don't think I should put in any input. <laughs> He's old triceps over here. Yeah. He's like, because, wait till we get to triceps. Yeah. Well, I mean, for me, I guess, I guess the exercises that I do are the exact same, but it's the way that I execute those exercises yeah. that I'm learning right now. Yeah has been completely wrong yeah and that's and and again you know we are over audio and i really encourage everyone to check us out um on instagram where we try to give you more of that we try to show you a little bit more of the the how Mm -hmm. but again again you know it's selection and it's how yes those things put together so um cool moving on to uh our delts usually i like going a lateral raise first just because most people prefer to emphasize you know those wide shoulders, oh, yeah, that outward man. sweep, man. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So since most people usually prefer that, usually I'm going to start with the lateral raise while we're the most fresh and we want to go with the cables and usually with shoulders, man, I don't, I don't usually like to work under 10 reps. Um, I've just found that personally it feels better to be in the 10 to 20 reps with almost everything. Um, maybe a little bit lighter if you're at the end. So in my opinion, let's say two to three sets of a cable lateral raise for 10 to 20 reps. And then let's say two to three sets of either an anterior raise or a dumbbell overhead press for however many sets of reps. Mm -hmm. The biggest thing here is this volume and rep recommendation is going to vary on what your priority is. Mm -hmm. So out of all these three muscle groups, if shoulders are your priority, maybe you should do an extra set and maybe you should do them before chest. Yeah. You know, so when I'm sitting here throwing out samples or maybe this much, maybe that much. I mean, it's kind of me just pulling it out of my ass, man. Mm -hmm. Some people can get all they need out of one set. Some people, it takes 10 sets. So it's going to be kind of case specific. So this is really just my shot in the dark for a average Joe who wants to build some muscle. Yeah. Um, so triceps conceptually makes the most sense to go shortened and then lengthened or elbows back and then elbows lifted. Okay. However, just cause it's my current obsession, big triceps, I have personally been spending the majority of my tricep training with the elbows elevated and off the body. So that's so something that's like skull crushers. Skull crushers, and, okay. overhead extensions the with katana. a cable. Katana, exactly. Nailed it. Yep. Just to that same sound effect. Yep. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but so I have found that spending the majority of the time there helps us bias called the long head and helps us kind of build that beefiness to the tricep. Yeah. I'm getting into some of my nerdy bodybuilding stuff now. <laughs> but um, I, I, I personally have enjoyed spending the most amount of time there. So I'm going to be biased and say, let's spend two to three sets for 10 to 20 reps, right? Something heavy, let's build some tissue, let's work here, let's keep those elbows planted, keep your upper arm where it is, bend Mm -hmm. and extend. Um, And then at the end, I like doing that short head for, again, I think I mentioned this earlier, but a little bit higher rep, whatever, 10, 20, 15. Again, they're all numbers. (laughs) It's it's always a variance, man. Um, People like numbers. I write numbers down for sake of consistency, but mm. at the end of the day, your, your body knows contraction. It doesn't know numbers. Yeah, that's a really good point. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and I really like the higher reps for the uh, the short head. Yeah, I do too. I do too. I, I have found that higher reps for shortened positions um, just helps you connect and shove blood. Yeah. And it feels good. Mm-hmm. So, cool, man. That's kind of everything I have in, in those three muscle groups. Um you can, if we're going to sit here and talk about bodybuilding stuff, sometimes it can be a good idea to do just <clears throat> a general burnout or fatigue at the end or a, a press that's going to help everything fatigue. So maybe you just go back and do no, knee pushups till you can't. Maybe you find a machine chest press and okay. you pump it gotcha. out till you can't. Yep. Because we're, when we went through all these lists, um, some of the movements were isolation, but a lot of them were compound movements. And we're just talking about trying to bias a specific muscle. So through some of these things like the, you know, the dumbbell chest press, your triceps working to some extent. Yeah. The, you know, the dumbbell overhead press, your, your, your 
upper pec fibers are working to some extent, you know, and probably your triceps. So, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 Uh, especially if it's you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. But, um, hopefully so not from now on. Not anymore. You're going to show up with boulder shoulders next week, man. Boom. Little ass triceps. <laughs> your triceps. <laughs> Could you imagine your triceps were gone, but your shoulders were huge? They just shrunk. Oh man. Um, so yeah, usually I like to finish with some sort of burnout that feels good for all those movements. So maybe that's a chest press to failure. Maybe that's a knee push up to failure, mm. something of the sort. I think that's sort of all my thoughts on all of that. Uh, as with always, if your goal is to be building tissue, you need to have an adequate amount of animal-based protein. Uh, you need to have an adequate amount of calories. You need to be training intensely. And I have become less married to specific progressive overload, but you got to bring the heat every workout, man. Yeah. To say the least. If you do that, you will be progressively overloaded. I was going to say, I mean, <laughs> that really seems to be the name of the game, man. Everybody's so afraid of overtraining, but they... They're just under recovering. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so mm -hmm. I don't know. I've, I've, again, a little bit of a tangent here, but on my own training, I've been winging it a little bit more recently and just trying to have some fun and just trying to hit it hard. And it has, it's changed it for me a little bit. Same, man. So it's been, it's been cool. But, um, all of that being said, we are always open to any questions via Instagram at progress through change or at Toro strong. Mm -hmm. And we are going to start answering some Instagram questions right now. Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. From Kirk blue. What's your holiday cheat meal? You first or me first? Which holiday? That's a good question, actually. Let's do um, Thanksgiving since it just passed. Well, I'm going to, yeah, you know what? Let's, yeah, we'll do Thanksgiving. Um, for me on Thanksgiving, man, I always forget how much I like stuffing every year. Uh, and I like cheesy potatoes. Oh, I do the cheesy potatoes. Uh, and this year I may or may not have had six slices of pumpkin pie in 48 hours. No, no, I can't. <laughs> What's your cheat meal? Um, your Thanksgiving one, and I dude, ate, I ate some other bullshit too, to be honest. But those are just the first things that came to mind. Well, when you when you were saying that, I just realized I didn't even have one bite of stuffing. L. Oh, rookie year, mistake, man. man. Usually, my favorite is the yams. Yams. This year, I had no yams either. Damn. What, what was you wrong have? with me, man? I had a whole bunch of meat, and then. The deviled eggs and I made a pie. Really? Yeah, what it was a pumpkin pie? pecan pie. How so was pumpkin it? pie you with pecan. It? Yeah, man. That's awesome. From scratch. I had so many people tell me to make pies this year, but Do I just it. bought one. It's so uh, easy, bro. That's what everybody tells me, but I just bought one still. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. Especially <laughs> nah, with the yeah, Costco yeah. ones. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But nah, yeah, I guess that's kinda fun if you can make yeah. it. Yeah. It's really good. Pecan. It's really yeah. good. Dang, man. Yeah. So that's there's our holiday cheat meal. I don't think it really varies for me otherwise. Oh, you know what? last like two years around like christmas time christmas um, christmas i uh i had a lot of fun having baileys in my coffee in the mornings what is that so i don't know if that counts it's like a it's like a coffee creamer that has a little bit of alcohol in it oh for uh yeah 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 it's yeah is it's, it's, it like irish pretty, cream yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. oh yep, okay yep. okay basically the same deal yeah so there, that was like like last two years yeah yeah uh, yeah i had a i had a some real cool clients of mine actually put me on that. And I was like, oh shit, this is a bad habit. Um, <laughs> yeah. So sometimes around the holidays, you know, I'll enjoy that a little bit. Like I think last Christmas I had like two or three coffees with that before I had anything to eat. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So anyways, that's uh, that's my usual holiday uh, cheat meal. I'll have to try that. That, that sounds Extent. pretty good. Yeah, man. Yeah, for sure. Eggnog too. So, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I've ever actually had eggnog. It's really good. I don't know, man. I've heard I'm, I'm not going to drink things. it anymore though. Yeah. Yeah. They don't fit the macros. I stopped dairy and beef 
Straight up. Yeah, man. Really? Why? Yeah. I don't know. I, I, don't I guess my stomach, stomach issues. Okay. Yeah, I thought it was normal to have like, or to be farting, be bl- like bloated. Yeah. Um, or just have like stomach cramps. Yeah. And, you know, I took out beef and dairy and it's all gone away. Very big change, yeah. Man, yeah. I, um, I am a huge, I, I love beef, steak, all that. Um, mm-hmm. I did ground beef for like all of my 2021 prep. Um, but <clears throat> I actually took ground beef out as well and it has made a world of difference in my skin. So that, yeah, yeah, digestion didn't change much for me, but for me it was really uh, a difference in my skin. So that's mm-hmm. why I uh, have not gone the beef route. And milk thing doesn't surprise me, man. I mean, I at this point, I would say like I I found a. It's almost rare for me to find someone that does okay with all dairy. That's a good you know point, like most yeah. people like myself like I can get away with like Greek yogurt or cheese or something like that. Yeah, but, but most people, man, like straight up milk is a no go. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, man. It'll just tear I mean, right are, through yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm I'm glad to hear you're you're prioritizing the digestion. Yeah. So cool. All right, man. Well, let's wrap it up there. We will catch y'all next week. We appreciate you listening. And as always, this episode is brought to you by progressthroughchange.com, where you can get your four easy habits for fat loss guide. Check out the link in the description. Chris will kind of make us a nice little bullet list of everything we talked about oh, today. Yeah. So that way you can have a nice PDF to review and check out. Mm-hmm. So as always, you can check us out on Instagram at Progress Through Change and at Toro Strong. Yes. We will see you next week. Thanks for listening. Peace. Peace.